Welcome to the 5G Guys Podcast, the premier resource for industry insiders and newcomers alike to explore anything and everything wireless telecommunication. We discuss, explain, and explore all things wireless technology. So let's dive right in. Welcome your host, Dan McVaugh and Wayne Smith. Hi, everyone. Great to have you back for a new episode of the 5G Guys. I'm Wayne Smith, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dan McVaugh. What's up, everyone? Thanks for listening again. Hey, for this episode, we're taking on another very popular topic that Wayne and I get a lot of inquiries on, um, especially in our, our businesses. And that topic is, the, is the, the implementation of private wireless networks. If you're not sure exactly what that even means, don't worry. You're in the right place. We're going to explain that. If you do know, hang on because there's still a lot of information that we have for you in terms of diving into how you de- de- develop a private network, how you get it deployed, the ins and outs of the technology. So, so looking forward to this episode. Yeah, I get a lot of questions around it for sure. Over the last couple of years, we've had different opportunities and inquiries about that want to take their networks private and control of the fourth wireless as the fourth utility in their businesses. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I guess before we dive in though, let's take this opportunity to remind everyone to reach out to uh, to us on 5gguys.com, submit your questions, your ideas for shows, and specifically around today's topic, if you think you might have a need for private wireless technology in your business, uh, submit your use case, take a look at, and you might have a chance for a free consultation with Wayne and I. So looking forward to seeing uh, seeing questions, comments, uh, use cases from you guys on our website. Um, and I think this is also a great time to thank our great sponsor, Vertex Innovations, among all the things that Vertex does, one area they've emphasized the last couple of years is private wireless networks. They've been helping their customers to understand it, implement those networks for quite, quite some time now. So uh, whether it's technology selection or oversight of, uh, of deployment of your own private network, Vertex can help. So go check them out as well. Go to vertex-us.com. So with that, Wayne, how should we get started? Mm, you've heard of Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Oh yeah, I think yeah, I think we should uh, explain why listeners may want to look at a private network and then then jump into how it works and more specifically what they need to do to get started with it. That's a great idea. I love it. Yeah. So tell me some ideas. Like when you hear from customers that are interested in private networks, why are they asking? What is? Where, why are they interested in it for their business? Hmm. Yeah. So a few different things. One, when deploying new technologies, I mean, they, they're, they've asked maybe from a security or deploying some kind of video around their businesses. And I think really monetizing the network and new revenue source for them and improved customer service. Also, uh, taking control of the wireless service for that organization. I think today companies and enterprise companies have so many different components to run their network that taking a network private puts more control in with them and not only uh, better technology usage, but just better cost over the long run. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah, that dependency on a, a service provider is definitely something I hear a lot of people wanting to figure out how the heck can I take control and not be dependent on that service provider. Um, I also hear a lot of people talking about security, right? With a private network, you can keep that whole network in-house and not be dependent on someone else to make sure that security is 
is taken care of. And that's especially prevalent these days, right? We've seen these breaches the last couple of years. So I think that's a big one I've seen um, improved performance. Uh, a lot of people have asked about, you know, hey, I've been I've been using a cellular network or I've been using a, a Wi-Fi network and the performance just isn't what I need for for the automation I'm doing in my business. That's when I hear, and, and automation and private networks are really going to enable a lot of people to to automate, you know, manufacturing, you name it. So those are some of the things I've heard as well. So, um, yeah, so that's definitely a good reason why you might want to think about it. Wayne, what else, what else are you hearing from people in terms of private networks and, 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 and the, and the like? Well, I think one, you know, how they're built, right? I mean, what, what is it, you know, they're not a new thing. And so what's changing, I think right now, if you want to know what's changing and why, why is now the right time to deploy a private network? Cause there's a lot of use cases that you have not talked about. And so I think that's where I would leave it is, you know, they're not new. So why now? Yeah, that's a good point. In fact, maybe we'll, we'll maybe let's take a step back for some of our, our listeners. Like there have been private networks for quite a long time. You know, you go to the restaurant and they hand you that little wireless pager, right? That tells you your table's ready. That's a private mm-hmm. network that restaurant's using. You know, everybody's got Wi-Fi at their house. That's a private network at your house. That's your own little private Wi-Fi network. There's companies that have two-way radio networks, right? Push to talk, walkie-talkies for employees out running around. There's private networks in, in Wall Street, right? Where they've got microwave hops that are secure, that are sending transmissions of trades. Those are private networks. But they're all they're all very different than what we're talking about today. All of those things required users to either use a completely wide open set of spectrum like Wi-Fi that everybody in the world can use and share with no interference mitigation, no oversight of who can do it. So, you know, you put your Wi-Fi up at your house and your neighbor puts theirs up. And next thing you know, you got a ton of Wi-Fi networks that are all just stepping all over each other and they don't work well. Or you have to go get a specific license from the FCC for your paging network or your microwave network. What's changed today is that the FCC is now enabling the use of private networks with the deployment or the the release of a lot of new spectrum. And and so I think that's really what we should focus on today is that new spectrum and and how the FCC is is doing that to enable a more enhanced deployment of private networks. Yeah, that's right. CBRS. What CBRS. is CBRS? <laughs> how does it work? Right. right. Yeah, yeah, I mean we promised the world that we won't use these acronyms, but here we go. <laughs> Throwing another it's a CBRS acronym out. So CBRS, what's that? What's it stand for? CBRS, C, Citizens Broadband Radio Service. So there you go. The FCC said, we're going to allocate some spectrum, and it's going to be for citizens to be able to deploy broadband networks of their own. So that was uh, that was done. I can't remember the exact time, but the auctions were a couple of years ago. So this is really new. And when I say auctions, then that kind of creates, creates some questions. But what they did was they said, we're going to have this spectrum that's un- unutilized. Um, and that's what the FCC is doing a lot of. They're finding a lot of spectrum that's underutilized that was reserved for government agencies, whatever the case might be. And they're reopening it up for things like public public use. And that's what they did in this case. They took a chunk of spectrum that was allocated for the Navy to use offshore. They use it for ship-to-ship and, and intra-ship communication. Well, most of the U.S. is nowhere near the water. And so that spectrum is reserved for the Navy, but they ain't going to be using it in the middle of Nebraska. Guarantee it, right? So what they did was they said, okay, let's open that spectrum up in a way that the Navy can still use it. But in most of the U.S., where it's not a conflict, let's open it up to let private networks use it. 
and we'll give some priority to some licensed users that have first use of access. And then we'll let the rest of the country use it. And what's different is we'll coordinate that use, right? We'll make sure that nobody interferes with each other. And I'll explain how they did that in a, in a little bit. But the big advantages that this created, unlike things like Wi-Fi, is while there's still licenses and unlicensed capabilities, it's much less congested and the congestion is regulated through technology. So that instance I talked about with your neighbor putting Wi-Fi up right next to you can't happen because the technology has to listen for interference and then shut down if there's a potential interference case. So much, much different capabilities than what we've seen in the past. And unlike Wi-Fi, this actually can support mobility. You can deploy your own 4G or 5G network on that spectrum. And people have, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a bit. So that's really what Citizens Broadband Radio Service is. It's not the technology, it's the spectrum enabling the technology of private networks. Wow. It, it's it, it's interesting in your comparison about private networks, your home Wi-Fi and these other ones, you you kind of take all that for granted. Yeah. You know, and but I, I think what this does, if if I understand you correctly, it opens up spectrum for businesses to build a more robust experience for their company. One to maybe channelize it to use IoT and then Wi-Fi for or you know broadband access for all their employees. Right. So a lot of different use cases for sure in it. Um, yeah, for sure. And and like I said, the key is this sort of listening technology the FCC dictated. So all infrastructure that you can buy and deploy for a private network on CBRS is required to be outfit with this listening first technology. And and what it does is it works with these nationwide providers. Um, Google is one, Federated Wireless, there's a there's a, a handful of them that basically are the traffic cop, if you will, right? So they're making sure that, hey, let's say that, that you are in Norfolk, Virginia, and there is a ship offshore that is using that spectrum. Well, they're going to sense that and they're going to tell all of the infrastructure in the Norfolk area that they got to shut off so that they don't interfere with the Navy, right? And then once that ship's offshore and it's cleared up, they get to turn back up again and, and use it. And then, you know, Joe Joe Smith, who's also using that, you know, in his basement, you know, his, his system is also going to be listening. And in the rare instance that, you know, a large corporation like, I, I don't know, we'll say uh, Microsoft is using it on their campus, might interfere with Joe or Joe might interfere with them. It, it'll make sure that Joe's doesn't interfere with them or vice versa. So pretty cool stuff. And I think it's a, it's a big advancement that we haven't seen very often in, in the wireless industry. So hopefully that kind of explains how it works without getting too deep and into too many too much jargon. So let's talk a little bit about use cases themselves. What what types of private wireless networks are people asking you about in your world? So there's two trains of thought for me on it. Uh, one, this came up for a potentially, you know, not to get into details about clients or too much into it, but like an autonomous vehicle network, which requires a bunch of different components to make that work, right? And so... It would be the video cameras and then the IoT device to speak to the car and then the broadband access and the security layer on it. And so it seems like that's been a use case for an autonomous bus. I think another one you know, that we've seen since we do a lot of things with the carriers, the carriers themselves, the wireless carriers, Verizon, AT&T and so on, all bought CBR spectrum for themselves. 
for another purpose besides the private network side of it. And so those are the two cases that we get to hear about, you know, like how does a company build their own network? I think a good famous one that I did and you can reference is John Deere Tractor. If you think about John Deere, they have tons of distribution centers, mm-hmm. tons of equipment that they're all data, you know, a large international organization with a requirement for their own network to yeah. be more cost effective. But those are some of the cases that, you know, this came up, you know, for that we've seen. But yeah, I still, I mean, it's still brand new. I think just to put some dates on it, I think this became available sometime in mid 2020 during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Right. And then now it's starting to get more steam, but we may be a little slower with the equipment suppliers being that we have supply chain issues. But Mm -hmm. it's definitely we thought it was going to be like, boom. (laughs) And so we've had had a few bumps. But I definitely I definitely think that customers who want to maximize their own data and to utilize artificial intelligence in their business operations will have their own private network for a lot of these different things. Yeah. Yeah. I know some of the use cases that I've been involved with. I had I had a discussion with Rockwell Automation. For those that don't know who Rockwell is, they're one of the two or three largest companies in the US that help design and implement large manufacturing facilities for customers, right? So they're they're the guys that are building these really large factories for customers uh, like John Deere that you talked about, right? Where they're putting in robots and they're putting all kinds of advanced manufacturing capabilities. And I was talking to them about it and and I asked them like, well, how do you use it now? And they said, well, what we've been doing historically has been trying to use Wi-Fi. But what happened is we found that we were getting well beyond the capabilities of Wi-Fi because it just couldn't handle the amount of data that we were trying to push around and it couldn't handle that amount of data quick enough. It couldn't process it quick enough for the responsiveness that we needed to ensure that things on the manufacturing plant were happening as responsively as they needed to be. Um, and so their first their first deployment into private networks beyond Wi-Fi is using CBRS. And they're actually going out, out the door with 4G technology day one. And really all they're trying to do day one is use sensors, right? They just want sensors to basically monitor the manufacturing line, tell them if they're running out of you know, oil on a processor or if they're running out of materials in a, a critical part of the, the manufacturing line um, and just sort of measure performance, figure out which parts of the line are more efficient than others so that they can fine tune and optimize it. So they're not making real-time decisions yet. They're just gathering lots of data so they can make smarter decisions re-engineer the line, things like that. They expect to move forward and upgrade those networks to 5G because as we've talked about in prior episodes, if you haven't listened, maybe listen to our uh, comparison of the Gs or 4G versus 5G episode. 5G now enables them to do a couple things. One thing, they're going to bring edge computing into their private network. So the processing of that data can happen really fast. And 5G has really low latency, meaning it can process that data super fast. So a 4G system, you know, is looking at, you know, maybe 80 milliseconds of processing delay in the air interface, whereas 5G, we're talking about 5, 10 milliseconds, super fast. So they're really looking forward to, you know, growing their private network and not just getting it launched with 4G, but then continuing with 5G. Another cool use case I've had um, the opportunity to learn about is uh, someone that has deployed a private network for a school district. So there's a school district during the pandemic that had a very large population of low-income families. So they were able to secure some federal grants 
and build their own private wireless network. So they're not dependent on a cellular carrier. They're not dependent on, uh, you know, uh, an ISP like Comcast or, or Verizon or CenturyLink because a lot of these students don't have broadband at home. And if they did, um, they still don't have computers and, and things and the ability to, to afford to, to subscribe to that service. So what this school district did was they got federal and state grants and they built their own private wireless network on CBRS. And they were able to buy laptops and subscriber modems and give them out to these students. And these students were able to go to school from home during the pandemic using this private network. So it was a game changer. And I think it's going to the type of thing we're going to see a lot more of is you know, filling that digital divide with private wireless networks so that areas that the carriers are not incentivized in their business case to go deploy, it won't matter now. Now, you know, citizens can take that control for themselves and build their own networks. So really cool stuff, seeing it from communities and stuff as well, cities, counties that are doing the same thing. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. So in the Prior to CBRS, and with most school districts, it's the parents and students' responsibility to provide themselves broadband services, whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so in the world of CBRS with the school system, the school's actually providing broadband access, laptops or phones that have SIM cards that's honed to their network. So now they can fill that digital divide, make sure everyone has it. And it is a a service of the school system and not you're going out and finding your own private provider. And and so that really is a game changer for school districts and those type of applications that every student can be connected to learn no matter what their income level is or where they live. You got it. Yeah, it's really cool. And the school district has, they have more control of, they know where their students live. They know where there's gaps. And, you know, they can, they may not be able to provide service for every single family in their school district, but they can look, where's the gaps? Where are low income families at? Where is their service gaps from ISPs, things of that nature? And then they can deploy their own network. So you're probably going to see a lot of cases of hybrid, right? Where some students are on the private network, some students aren't. But all together, they can all have that same set of Chromebooks, right? We're not buying textbooks and libraries full of books as much as we used to. We're we're buying laptops. We're buying, you know, modems and sending those home with kids. So it's it's pretty cool. I can I can remember my kids, you know, they shifted to using iPads instead of textbooks eight years ago, ten years ago when they were still going to school. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. I think another component, too, is the security aspect that you mentioned before, mm-hmm. you know, from and I could be wrong. I'm not sure but you can correct me on this, but I know with a lot of CBRs or private networks, the enterprise controls the security breaches within their own network. Mm-hmm. So in today's world, it's up for the employee to have their own phone and they could be on have a SIM card on any network go into work and they're actually carrying all those apps and things. But under the private network, you're able to have a dual SIM card in your phone. Mm -hmm. So once you cross into the private network area that your now phone is on the enterprise's own network and not going out to the world the same way as a regular phone would be correct or not? you got it no absolutely yeah and that's that's a cool advancement when for those who don't know what a sim is so sim card is uh 
subscriber identification module, I think is what the acronym stands for. I could be wrong. If I got it wrong, uh, comment in the uh, show notes and, and correct me. But yeah, it's basically a card that's your, it's basically your phone's identity that validates that. Yeah, you're paying your bill and you're allowed to use your phone. And forever until very, very recently in the last five years or so, every phone had one SIM card. Well, now you can, most phones have a dual SIM card capability. So yeah, you can basically have that same phone act like two different phones depending on where you're at. So it's a really cool capability. The the other thing from a security standpoint is let's take that manufacturing plant. They can build their own private network inside the walls of their facility. Whereas before, if they needed to leverage a cellular service provider, for example, that network traffic was going to leave their building and go out to the carrier's network that had all kinds of exposures to the internet, to, you know, the whole world that can access that same network. Whereas now they can build that network that's going to be controlling very precise processes and secure processes in their factory with infrastructure that's inside their walls and never has to leave their facility and be exposed to the greater internet. This is huge in healthcare, right? Imagine, imagine your doctor doing a remote surgery with a robotic arm to remove your spleen or whatever he has, has to do and using a, a, a public network that could be hacked. It's crazy, right? Yeah. So, so for sure, I think security is a big area that you're going to start seeing people move to private networks. Yeah, it's hard to get your your mind around all those things. But being a business owner and, you know, looking at your operational costs to run your business, you start to see where it makes economical sense to do an investment in your private network Mm -hmm. in the short term. So in the long term, as the business grows, you can take advantage of all the new technological breakthroughs that happen. Whereas today it's very costly to take advantage of those. And so you're running on to your point, other networks, especially if you have a presence in multiple States, for instance, Mm -hmm. you may have a one set of providers down South in the U S you have another set of providers in the Midwest, one on the West coast. So as a company, you're having to figure all that out. If by taking the investment, building your own network, you can actually connect your own network for those multiple through the multiple states. It's more cost effective to take that constant data flow of information, whether it's sensors or IoT or just computing power from your independent office and you start to collect them in a central location in your network. Right. So it makes a lot of sense down the path for most enterprises to go that direction instead of having AT&T here, Verizon here, Zayo, you know, whatever the providers are, that starts to really reduce and have a more manageable IT program for that company. Yeah. So yeah, pretty exciting, pretty exciting for that. And, and I think the other thing that I'm hearing a lot of enterprise customers is it offers the ability for them to eliminate an operational expense part of their budget, right? When they're paying an outside company for that service, that's an operational expense. Here, they can use capital dollars to build their own enterprise network that now has tangible value on the capital side of their books and reduce operational expense because now they're not paying that monthly fee per device per user to somebody else who's, who's profiting off of that. And, and they can instead do, go with uh, a capital, uh, capital side. Now, now one thing that as I've um, looked at private networks, 
and I've really started to look at the landscape, it, it can be overwhelming when you start looking at all of the different network aspects, all of the different vendors that are out there. I did a I did a survey of different vendors that are providing gear that you can buy for a private network. And, you know, there's 50 to, to hundreds of them out there, which is cool because it's really democratized the landscape. So um, mm. there's a lot of cool innovation, a lot of startups that are making some cool gear, but it can be a little overwhelming. So, you know, if you're thinking about doing it, it, it is helpful to have a partner to help kind of get the lay of the landscape, but it's not necessary. I know people that are doing their own little tiny private networks as well. The uh, That one uh, school education application I talked about was, you know, it was a pretty small outfit. It was a small company of like three employees that deployed it for this small school district and they didn't have to go hire the IBMs of the world to get help, right? So, but uh, if you are looking at it and it does seem overwhelming, again, you know, uh, you can reach out to Wayne and I through 5gguys.com. Partners and sponsors like Vertex are also good solutions. Uh, there's a lot of folks out there that don't know how to kind of navigate that world as well. So, um, but exciting stuff for sure. Yeah, it's, it's it definitely. I think we'll start to see more and more of it. It'll become more mainstream as companies start to do their forecasted budgets on their IT infrastructure. Mm-hmm. You know, and this will be part of it. You know, building their own private network, and uh, it'll be good opportunities too for some of the vendors who have built for the big carriers. They'll have that institutional knowledge on putting those pieces together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. You said something that stuck out for me a little bit. I think it's important to talk about. Wireless networks today have incumbent players. And you mean like Ericsson, those types of software people who, you know, run those larger wireless networks. By make, by opening this up, essentially they, they're innovating within the space. Now there's a lot of smaller players that can provide that same kind of software and that back end on how to run your network through those other providers. That's right. So you have more selection. You're going to be able to deploy based on your budget and the size of your company. So those are all exciting breakthroughs to continue to see happen. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, well, awesome, man. I think this was uh, hopefully a good overview for listeners. Uh, there's obviously a lot more to it. We can dive a lot deeper. So as always, you know, thanks for joining us. Uh, again, go to 5gguys.com, connect with us, give us your questions, your anything we got wrong as always. And, uh, and the offer still stands. If you've got a use case that you want help with, submit it and Wayne and I might take it on as a free consultation for you. So with that, my friend, thanks for another great episode. Yep. Thanks, Dan. All right. Till next time. Thanks again. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the 5G guys. For more resources and to connect with Dan and Wayne, check out their website at 5gguys.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that follow button and share this episode with your friends and family.